Hi there, this is Richard Williams from the band Kansas, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Todd Zuckerman from Styx. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 437 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 437, two special guests for you we have joining us from the band Sticks. We have drummer extraordinaire Todd Zuckerman. Todd, uh, obviously, right up there in almost every category of voting for a drumming that there is uh, just a monster on the drums and he has just released his first solo album called Last Flight Home which I think is going to show a different side of his uh, musical ability as he talks about in the interview there's no shortage of places to go and see his magnificent drumming this I think uh, does a great job of showing not only songwriting ability but his singing ability which we talk about in in pretty great detail so Hope you enjoy that. Also, we obviously get into what's going on with Sticks with the pandemic. There's a band that is perpetually on the road that have now uh, got the bus in the garage. And uh, within uh, a bright note of working on what uh, Todd feels is going to be a fantastic album. So we will get to that interview in just a moment. Also joining us on the show this time is a band uh, vocalist and keyboard player Chris James of the band The Burrito Brothers. Now, uh, some of you may recall uh, the Flying Burrito Brothers, which was a band that Graham Parsons was involved in. Uh, This is the same band which has gone through um, just a litany of members over the years. Uh, Kind of a country rock band. Uh, You can can feel flavors if you're interested in bands like the Eagles. Uh, You'll enjoy the Burrito Brothers. So we're going to talk to Chris James about their new album in just a little bit. But first, I'm going to play you a little bit of Last Flight Home from Todd Zuckerman's solo, and then we'll get into that. City Rocks we have on the line, Todd Zuckerman of Sticks. How you doing, Todd? I'm doing great, John. How you doing? Fantastic. Uh, talking to you on just days after the release of your debut solo album, Last Flight Home. Um, a fantastic yeah. record. Very feels very introspective to me as a listener. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the songs that, that ended up making the cut? Well, sure. I mean, you know, to, to back up, really, I... Uh, 
I, I always assumed that any record that I would do that had my name on it would be some sort of jazz fusion mm-hmm. record. And I, I, I would assume that most people that follow what I do would expect some sort of drum-centric record. But uh, I just played on a couple really incredible instrumental records, and that itch had been scratched. And mm-hmm. um, There was just this convergence of uh, things that unfolded uh, organically uh, with the uh, cajoling of my old friend J.K. Harrison, who is my uh, co uh, producer and co-writer on this project uh, and it just it turned out that we, we started working and this thing grew from there so um, the nice thing about having a friend like JK is he has a bank of uh, thousands of, of songs or nuggets or you know right. charcoal sketches of pieces so it was fun to kind of get together with him and piece things uh, together sort of like being in a, in a wonderful um, scrapyard of all all new parts, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were able to build and, and construct these these songs um, together. And you know what has always uh, been most important to me about music is the song, uh, mm-hmm. melodies, especially uh, a story in the the lyric. I also love complicated drumming and sure. uh, difficult. Uh, 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 drum Olympic uh, type music, but at heart, I, I normally gravitate towards things that um, hit me on an emotional level, and those seem yeah. to be the things that, uh, to me, uh, in, in the pantheon of the music that I've adored my whole life, uh, those are the ones that, that have the biggest staying power. So I, I've always been comfortable singing in the backgrounds in, in a group situation, but the thought of do, stepping up front and doing it was yeah. a terrifying uh, notion, like, you know, standing naked in front of the world, yeah. you know, so to speak. Uh, but the fact that I was terrified, almost to the point of n- nausea, that, I thought that's where I needed to be. I, I didn't want to be somewhere safe and content and, and doing something that I, I, I felt I could, I could pull off. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do something that I wasn't sure I could pull off, um, uh, but J.K. believed in me the whole time. Yeah, it was interesting to listen because you know you you see your name and, and you see the the accolades. Uh, you don't have to look far to see you know best drummers. You know you make every list everywhere um, to to put you know the needle on the record so to speak with this and expect to hear bombastic drums. But then you listen. I think the first song sets a tone so well because you know. You feel like you're stepping into your life when you listen to these songs, and and I, I enjoyed that aspect about it. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, people love the drumming, but it's a niche listen for a lot of a lot of people. You know, the the, the drummers, the musicians love to hear that stuff, but the songs, you know, are a little more timeless, so to speak. Um, well, well, yeah. If someone's look, if someone's looking for, you know, lots of drumming, there's a lot of places they can go to get that, uh, mm-hmm. or to get that from from my body of work. Yeah. But there's nowhere to go to to get what what uh, I think what we created with this record. So that that's a thing that I'm I'm really proud of, and, yeah. and some of the best compliments I've gotten um, since its release uh, is that it doesn't sound like anything else. But I hear the cool influences in uh, in the tracks, and it's a wide variety of of influences. Which those are the records that really tend to stick with me. I I, I don't want to hear 
10 tracks of the same thing. I, yeah. I like a, I like a variety. I like character and, and mood changes uh, in, in a record, and that's that's what I tried to go for, but again, it happened all naturally and organically. I mean, we, we did 12 or 13 songs, and I, I kind of trimmed the fat down to the 10 that, that I thought had the best cohesive statement. Was it uh, Were these songs composed over a, a relatively short period of time, or was this something that you and J.K. had kind of, you know, I, obviously you're a very busy man. Unfortunately, um, right now, everybody's not so busy, but you, you did this back when everyone had real tours and work to do. Um, were these songs relatively short period of time when you wrote these, or were these kind of a collection of, of time capsules? It, but it, 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 it seems like a short period of time now, looking looking back at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one one memory that that stands out for me was um, when we wrote "Last Flight Home," which is the, the track one and, and mm-hmm. the title track. That was one of those magical nights where all of a sudden out of the blue it was lightning back and forth between he and I mm-hmm. and I was just writing down lyrics of what it feels like to, to be uh, delayed and trapped mm-hmm. at the airport and I know it's very easy to go oh poor guy he's it's de- delayed at the airport what happened did he get home yes but when you've been delayed and trapped at the airport mm, 6,000 times that it, it, it takes on a different yeah. uh, feeling and, and connotation um you know, I've 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 flown uh, almost three million miles on American Airlines alone. Like I've mm. had a lot of things happen to me in airports. Yeah. So, uh, but get back back to the point of the story. Um, that was just one of those magical moments where we had the song basically completed in its final form in thirty minutes. And you think, gee, songwriting's fun. Mm. You know, if it was only that easy all the time. Yeah, the other nine uh, were that easy. But you know that that's that's really when that song came to be. That that's when I kind of felt like the, I could see the yellow brick road sort of materialize, and uh, and I thought right then and there this this could be the title track and and track one to to set the tone that you just described. Yeah, and it does. I mean, I I think it's you know it's such a universal theme in that song. You know, I think you know you don't need to be. You know, in, a, in an amazing rock band, to realize the frustration. You know, there's how many people who work Monday to Friday that involve getting on an airplane Sunday night and coming home Friday afternoon, who realize the same, you know, type of thing. They just want to get home, see their wife, see their kids. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what what I think. You know, was so cool about it because you come in, you think, you know, you see your name, you expect a certain thing, but then you listen to it, and you're like, so many people can connect to the lyric of the song. And you're not writing songs, you know, throughout the album where you're trying to be a 25-year-old. You know, they're they're themes that are re- you can feel the sincerity in the topics. Um, well, thank you. And I think that translates really well. You mentioned singing and and feeling kind of naked about that. Was you know, w- with sticks, you've got you know amazing singers across the stage, and and you know you're you're a piece of of an equation there. Were you when it when it came to, to you know to writing the vocal harmonies, were you really had you ever pushed yourself vocally to the point you know where you knew what your range was and things like that? So where you knew what you were working with, or was this sort of an experiment in learning what your voice could do as a singer? This was a, a, a grand experiment to try to pull off something I wasn't sure I could pull off. J- J.K. believed in me, but I, I know there were times that I surprised him with what I was able 
to do. Uh, a, a few of the things that he thought that I would have the toughest time with mm-hmm. um, were the ones that I, I kind of uh, I, I, I did in one or two takes. The things that he thought that I'd have no problem with, those were the ones that um, <laughs> that, that took a little bit longer to do. You know, the thing about singing that's incredibly difficult and my respect for singers of all ilks, whether you're Bob Dylan or Pavarotti, you know, has just exploded through the roof, is to be able to sing in tune, sing in time, connect mm. with each lyric, then connect all the lyrics into a story that uh, feels, you know, honest and heartfelt, and, you know, if it is, it is, that's a lot easier to do. Um, but to be able to do that is... It's incredibly difficult to do. So uh, I've I've always loved uh, singers, and I'm fortunate to be in a band with a a bunch of great singers. Mm. But man, to 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 step in front of a microphone and and do that, um, it's it's that's tough business. I noticed in the the liner notes you gave a a special thanks to Phil Collins. Um, You know, obviously a fantastic singer, fantastic drummer. As you approach the microphone to sing, do do things? Do you still think like a drummer? You know, when it comes to the phrasing, the timing. You know, I imagine when you're writing lyrics. You know, a lot of bands who have this drummer as a singer. Sometimes you maybe are writing things that are easier to sing while playing, or vice versa. Is that enter into this equation? I mean, absolutely, because everything has a rhythm. Mm-hmm. E- even if you're phrasing or you're holding out vowels or you're you're sitting back or you just lean into it a little bit, everything has a rhythm. Um, jokes, punchlines, like certain mm-hmm. things have a rhythm where it's going to be more effective. Uh, so, you know, yes, the, the answer to that is, is a, a resounding yes. Um, everything has to sit in the best place possible. Um, to help not only convey the lyric, but to have it feel good with what is happening with the music underneath. There's there's mm-hmm. a there's a million moving parts that that non musicians um, don't <laughs> they don't they don't know how <laughs> damn hard it is. But yeah. it, it's but they, they they know if they don't like it, they, they can hear something. If it's not good, they might not be able to tell you why yeah. it's not good. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's the the, phrase, the phrasing is everything. You look at a singer like Frank Sinatra, like his phrasing was just crazy, uh, just behind the beat and just beautiful, singularly unique. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, so yeah, it, it, Phil Collins, the way that that he approaches everything, and uh, and I, I was able to meet Phil for the first time actually in in September, a couple months after embarking upon this this project. Uh, and I met Phil through his son Nicholas, who was playing drums with him. Uh, and he was just lovely. He gave me like, ten minutes of his time, like an mm. hour before the show. I don't see my mom an hour before the show, yeah. you know. But <laughs> he's out there standing, chatting with me. Um, so the fact that I met him while making this record really added a little bit of special magic uh, fairy dust to it. And I thought I, I really have to see this through. Yeah. Now, when you're when you're doing vocals, uh, do you do much vocals with sticks? Like you're involved in the harmonies while playing live? There, there's been, yeah, there's been a, a few songs that I, I normally chime in on the background parts uh, at Crystal Ball, uh, Sweet Madam Blue, um, 
uh, newer stuff from the mission, like uh, uh, for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm missing one or two others, but yeah, I mean, not not a lot, but there's depending on the set list, there's there's anywhere from from two to four that that I'll I'll chime in a little bit with. Is it difficult from from a physical standpoint? Obviously, I mean, when a singer or even you know you think of your guitar player, your bass player, they can stop running to play. You know, a lot of you know, <laughs> look at Tommy's always running and playing, and Lawrence is on a different page when it comes to moving. But as a drummer, you don't get to take a break, catch your breath, breathe properly. You know, have the posture you maybe want. Is that as challenging as it looks? I mean, obviously, Phil Collins made it look simple, but that looks like hell to try to do both at the same time. Well, you know, e- even Phil, uh, it, he came out front, and then Genesis employed yeah. uh, uh, another drummer uh, in Chester Thompson. Uh, Bill Bruford originally meant Chester Thompson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, singing and playing drums, if, if you're a physical drummer, mm-hmm. uh, is like juggling a chainsaw and a bowling pin and, and mm-hmm. you know, a hot potato. Uh, it, it's there's a lot of plates spinning and it's very very difficult. Um, so yeah, my my fear is that my bandmates are going to ask me to sing more, which it would be yeah. much easier if I hired another drummer and I could just stand on the side of the drums and sing uh, than to play at the same time because you have to work you have to work out where where do you take a breath? What yeah. is my body moving to the right side of the kit away from the microphone? Okay, I got to think about that. I have to think about oh when I play this there's a uh, you know a shake in the voice concentrate on 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 being still and 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 still being able to play the the drum part that you need to play at that given moment there's a lot to do with that um so it's it's not my favorite thing to do but I'm 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 glad that I'm I'm able I'm capable of of doing it yeah, I, I didn't even realize another guy who came to mind as you were talking about that was watching Roger Taylor, had an opportunity to catch Queen, and really never thought about how essential his voice was to the overall sound of the band. Um, oh, yeah. And, and you know, he's, he's got such an interesting voice with so much character, but just the fact, like you said, you need to make sure the drum parts are on the right side of the kit, because you watch him sometimes and he looks like he's leaning out of the car window. To get to the microphone because his, you know, his left arm is a mile away. Um, you know, it's just yeah, and I think I, it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, you know, I got to mention, you know, Dean Castanovo when he would oh, yeah. sing some of the Steve Perry songs, you know, like Mother and Father, and playing at the same time. I mean, I just watched that with, you know, my jaw on the floor. Um, yeah, that's that that, that 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 might be the most uh, spectacular display of uh, of drumming and singing that I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, that's it's almost unfair when you listen to his voice and, and then you watch him drumming. You know, the guy's just got you know well, well, the funny so thing much is, talent. Uh, we toured with Journey in 2003, and uh, Steve Algieri was was a singer at the time, mm-hmm. and it was right at a period where Steve was having some some problems, uh, you know, a bit of laryngitis or something. And their dressing room was right next to ours, and it was kind of a thin wall. And I heard what I imagined was Steve Ajeri singing the song After the Fall. Now, they weren't doing that in their set list, but I thought, geez, Steve, uh, he must have got a steroid shot or something. Yeah. He sounds kick ass. And then as soon as the vocal stopped, I heard yeah. and the drumsticks on a practice pad. So the next day I said, hey, Dean, was, was that you singing? Because this is before I knew he, he had, he, he could sing that well. I knew he could sing, yeah. but I didn't, I never heard him by himself. But I said, hey, Dean, is, was that you singing 
uh, after the fall in the dressing room last night? He's like, yeah. yeah. And I said, Dean, no, no offense. You're an incredible drummer. But if I could sing like that, I'd be calling people in the phone book and singing like that to them. Yeah. And, yeah, and he laughed and, you know, uh, but yeah, he's, he, he, you know, to, to me, he's the most Steve Perry sounding guy that they've had sing any yeah. songs uh, since Steve Perry. Yeah, it is. It's like I said, it's it's unfair when you listen to it. He's got some great material out, and to listen to his voice, and he's he's got, you know, such a sound to it. And like you said, you're gonna you're gonna have to hide this from JY and and uh, Tommy when they hear some of the, the notes you're hitting on this album. They're gonna expect more from you. <laughs> well, again, it's always easy to easy to sing standing up than sitting down. You got to got to have that diaphragm um, working in your favor. Yeah. Yeah, they um now obviously touring is screeched a halt all over the world. Um had had you guys intended to do or or have you told the idea of maybe doing some you know, once the world reopens, doing some of this material live, you know, you and JK maybe doing some you know, clubs or you know, the the reality is there's not enough time in a show to do all the stick songs that we could play. Right. So I, I I I wouldn't feel right um, about doing that, um, and quite honestly, I mean, had life continued in a normal fashion, um, I would have recorded my drum tracks on the new Sticks record three weeks ago in Nashville. So there's a, a new record that will eventually be taking center stage mm-hmm. with the band um, that is just tremendous. The music is just oh my it's it's an embarrassment of riches that I get to play a music that, that good uh, and, yeah. and do some of the projects I've been involved with in, over the last couple of years. It's just really, it's, I, I have to pinch myself. But this, this new Sticks record is going to be very, very, uh, very deep, uh, very heavy. There's a lot of songs that are almost prophetic as to what's going on here. I, I haven't even talked to Tommy about it yet. There's, there's some lyrical content that sounds like it's written now about what's happening now. Yeah. That that's so fun when that happens. You even look at like the new Rolling Stones single and you listen to it, you're like, these guys wrote this before this happened, but it works so well now. So that's great. Can you give us a, a sense of, of the album and your, uh, musically is it similar to to the mission or or well, it, it it's you know the the thing that's always a, a thread with sticks is is a, a strong strong melody. Um, so. It's very strong in melody and lyrics, and there's definitely a lot of progressive uh, leanings and a little bit more, um, for lack of better description, Pink Floydian leanings. Uh, it's not, it's not, you know what I mean. It's not, we're not doing that, but it, that's the thing that would best describe moments. Um, you know, there's some odd time stuff. There's some uh, tempo changes. There's some songs that have multiple sections. Um, it's a really interesting collection of songs, and it it it's there's so many that uh, is being kicked around that it, it, it might end up being a, a double record. I'm not sure. Now, is is in the record industry at this point, or I should say, what's left of the record industry, is a double album kind of a curse anymore? I mean, is that something you really have to worry about with you know the fact that probably the majority of people are going to consume it digitally that. You know, and people are used to buying two, three album sets now when it comes to vinyl. 
Well, you know, the, the way I look at it from my perspective, which is a, a nothing to lose perspective, mm-hmm. and it, it ain't my pile of money perspective yeah. <laughs> either, um, is that I think a statement like that would be a, a big, bold move, and I like that. Yeah. I think coming out with with a with a, a collection of of songs that are of that quality, um, you know, and I'm sure that there's going to be a record executive or a thought here like, well, why don't you guys do it in two? Or you have enough for two records. Space it out a year apart. I'm sure that's going to be, um, uh, it, you know, and and there might be validity to that. I don't know. Mm. This is uh, uh, above my uh, level of expertise from a marketing. Yeah. Um, economic standpoint, but from an artistic standpoint, I see it as uh, I don't want to hear Quadrophenia in in two parts. I like sure. that, or I don't want to hear the Wall in you know mm-hmm. the sides three and four a year later. It's right. a big bold statement to uh, to come out with that. So we'll we'll see what happens in 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 reality. It it, it won't be my decision. I'll have nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, but that's that's what I'd like to see. I think I think that, I think that would be fun. Yeah, and it's it's great to hear enthusiasm for like that. You know, you've been in the band now, twenty five years. Am I right on the math? Um, uh, yeah, it'd be twenty four years touring, but my first association was, was uh, yeah, it was twenty five years ago. Okay, but you know, I mean, think of how many bands don't last twenty five years, and you've been a part of this band for twenty five years. You know, and to hear that enthusiasm for new music is is great. You know, I think it gets the fans excited, and, and I think one of the things you know. When you get beyond, you know, the radio hits, you know, I think anybody who's taken the time to listen to a Full Sticks album knows that these guys aren't afraid musically to to go into progressive stuff, and, and you know, you know, I think a lot of people would gobble up a, you know, an epic masterpiece, you know, of that that size right now would be most welcome from a, from a fan standpoint. So, well, I, it, that, that that excites me from my vantage point and that would excite me uh from a, uh, as being a, a fan of the band mm. uh you know i think i think anyone to make a statement like that and have the confidence to do that and, and put out something that is strong as as what this is going to be um i think i think that's a big giant hammer yeah. being being slammed down have have you guys talked contingencies for the year or is this just work on the new album and and let's just Try to stay home and, and you know as much as we have to. I guess. Well, I mean, look, I, I, everything's on on hold, and you know, I I, I hasten to say anything about the situation because mm-hmm. people are so quick to deem it political. Sure. It, it's it's not political when it's your life, and right. you can't make or spend money if you're dead. So, right. uh, you know, I I think our organization's viewpoint is we're not going to do anything until it's safe to do so mm-hmm. and safe by scientific measures not by opinions yeah. um, and, and I, I think that's what we all need to do the longer that we're out and we're opening up states early we're just adding months of this on the back end um, yeah, I mean that's it's it, certainly become a lightning rod topic there yeah and it it is tough because you know you guys you have like, a, a crew you, you, to worry about yeah i mean well, well it's like you like football you want to see football in 2021 stay home because yeah. it ain't happening in the fall 
Um, and if you want to see it in the fall of 2021, that means you got to stay home now. It's 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 really that simple. If mm-hmm. you you know want to look at numbers and listen to doctors and stuff like that, um, so that's what we need to do because the the more we open up now, we're we're, we're just taking sports and concerts and we're putting them uh, further and further back out of reach. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to see the two things that matter, you know, outside of you know when when it comes to your leisure time, music and sports are. are you know, I think the thing that so many people miss right now, because you know, you know, you just you can't do it, but you don't want to rush out and be foolish for the sake of just doing it soon to to miss out on things. So certainly, yeah, good, good you advice, know, and, it's, I, it, and I, you know, I understand it's tough on people. It's it's mm-hmm. tough on on everybody. Um, you know, I'm not playing 70 shows that I was going to play this year. It's you know, it's I, I get it. It sucks for all of us. But if we can get it to suck for the smallest amount of time, then that's what we—that's <laughs> what we have to do. Yeah, yeah, and I'll come through it healthy. I mean, that—that's really, I think, uh, you know. And and, and when we do, I, I think it's going to be glorious. I, I think when you know, no storm lasts forever. Uh, but when we do come out of this, those of us that survive, uh, you know, it's going to be absolutely glorious. Um, I, I did a podcast a, a couple weeks ago with a few different drummers. And the interviewer asked, so what's, you know, asked collectively, what's your dream gig? And without skipping a beat, I, I just said, the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is going to, I was thinking about that, you know, the first time, you, you know, you, you walk up to the stage, you're going to, you're going to realize how much you appreciate it. You know, and I think everybody's in that situation now, you know, you can, I'm sure it gets easy to get burnt down on the touring and the traveling. I, 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 I hope I can play through my my heavy sobs. <laughs> yeah, you know it's gonna it's gonna be incredibly emotional, no doubt. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. Well, Todd, I want to thank you so much. That your album is available now. I know it's on your website, um, all the digital platforms. I'm assuming. Um, Correct. Folks can get the last flight home, and hopefully, you know, not. Uh, so many years between the you know the follow up. I think uh, I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and, and be itching for a little bit more of you uh, and J.K.'s songwriting is great stuff. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you, John. You take care and stay safe. All right, again a big thank you to Todd Zuckerman for his time. Again, the new album, The Last Road Home, is available now. You can get that on Amazon. Get it on his website, ToddZuckerman.com. We'll have links in our show notes. We'll turn our attention now to a band. The Burrito Brothers, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is um, a band that, that actually started as the Flying Burrito Brothers, um, and most notably involved Graham Parsons, uh, and the band has evolved and gone through a, a numerous line of changes through the years uh, until settling on the lineup that is in place right now, which is just known as the Burrito Brothers. Uh, we're joined uh, momentarily by Chris James, who is the vocalist and keyboard player for that band and they have in March released a, a album called the Notorious Burrito Brothers so to, to keep that straight for you the band is called the Burrito Brothers the album is called the Notorious Burrito Brothers uh, and they were originally known as the Flying Burrito Brothers so uh, that could get a little confusing I know it kept me uh, on the edge of my seat trying to remember that as well so you want to check that out. If you're a fan of a band like the Eagles, for example, as I mentioned, this is a thing right up your alley. It's got a, a bit of a country um, feel to it, so there's some pedal steel, uh, acoustic guitars, but it's got some rock elements to it as well. So 
invite you to check it out. We're going to play a little bit of the new album here before we can get into that interview with Chris James. At the dark end of the street That's where we'll always meet Hiding in shadows where we don't belong Loving in darkness to hide our the dark end of the street you and me I know that time is gonna take its toll we'll have to pay for the love that we stole cause it's a Chris P. James on the line. How you doing, man? I'm fine, John. Thank you uh, for having me. Uh, it's a, a treat to, to do this. Yeah, it was really a, a, a pleasure to listen to uh, your latest album, uh, The Notorious Burrito Brothers, which I, I have to admit I'm still trying to get used to whether you're flying or you're notorious or or uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, as I go back through the history of the band. Well, um, notorious is just not to... Uh, uh, a lot of people are aware that the uh, 
the Birds' fifth album was called The Notorious Bird Brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, that's really kind of the mm-hmm. that's the genesis of of this group that's continued for fifty two years. Uh, it it kind of morphed out of that. That name was a variation on the. the Flying Burrito Brothers that for whatever reason a couple of those guys Graham Parsons and Chris uh, liked that name and uh, stole it from Ian Dunlop and Barry Tashin who were uh, leading a bar band in in L.A. in 68 and uh, so us calling our album Notorious Burrito Brothers is very 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 definitely an intentional uh, salute and nod to where it all began but yeah. the name of the group is just the burrito right yeah I, I was trying to go back and, and just the number of, of people that have gone through you know the the series oh, of the flying yeah. burrito brothers and the, the burrito brothers it's, it's quite a long list and such royalty in the industry um is i don't need to tell you that but um you know, I, I I listened to the to the album, and I have to say, one of the things that, that struck me is, you know, we're listening to a lot of artists, you know, in in this era of the COVID nineteen. One of the things that I found and is oh. is an odd blessing is that you get to see artists really stripped down, you know, with their Facebook Live performances or YouTube or what have you. And I listened to your album, oh. and it's very comfortable. I listened to you know a group of musicians playing songs that could be done. You know, I could envision you guys sitting in a living room with acoustic guitar and a pedal steel doing these songs. You know, they're very, um, they sound very comfortable. You guys feel like you're in your own skin. Um, was the album Thank something you? I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, when I listen to it, I think maybe a question, you know, stylistically, I listened to, you know, with this album, you mentioned the birds and, and, Graham Parsons and even the you know the original albums uh, from the Flying Burrito Brothers, you're you're kind of genre bending between rock, you know. But then as soon as you oh, hear the pedal yeah. steel, I've, I've uh, I continually say, yeah, it's a rock group that has the pedal steel in it and and uh, incorporates some of the uh, country touches, country aesthetic. But uh, I don't think we're much like what you'd find on country radio nowadays. I think it's very definitely a, a more of a, a inventive uh, mm-hmm. uh, rock group to making an album that's more of a, a conceptual piece, and uh, it just happens to have a little bit of country flavor to it. Yeah, it almost kind of harkened me back to some of the early Rolling Stones material. Well, I don't want to say the early Rolling Stones, but some of the material from the Rolling Stones that had, you know, like country honk and some things like that that had just a, a little flavor of country or the eagles um you know certainly yeah. another band that comes to mind um you guys have but the, been, uh, the, the, i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say the the uh definite uh leaning toward uh looks uh being expressive and, and more like poetry po- poetic uh mm-hmm. is, is I think more of a, a you know rock thing. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know, I mean, any good lyric is also a poem, probably. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And I think any good song transcends, you know, maybe the style. You know, when when you talk about a melody and you know a rhythm to a song, whether or not it's got a pedal steel or 
harmonica, acoustic guitar, piano. You sounds like you've got some Hammond organ in there, maybe. Um, that's one of the things I enjoyed about the album. There's yeah. so many different layers and instruments in there that you can pick out. Uh, it still boils down to a quality song, you know. The, the, you know that you walk away yeah, from the songs. Yeah, and it is as as you uh, uh, alluded. It's very much uh, uh, musicians interacting with each other. We're playing together. It's uh, that's why I thought that was a compliment for you to say that because uh, it's not like that all too common thing in popular music today where tracks are just built from from synth and, uh, and synthesized uh, instrument instrumentation mm-hmm. you know it's like one guy hunkering down in the studio building a track that they then put a singer or a talker over um, it's nothing like that that's not our approach in the least we're, we're a, a group of musicians interacting with each other uh, lifting you know, it's old school, uh, but done, done uh, very, very much in the now. It's uh, uh, the, mm-hmm. the level of studio pieces. And these guys in this band, Tony Pelletta on steel and Bob Hatter on guitar and Peter Young on, on drums and harmony vocals and also uh, engineering at the board, these are really world-class musicians. They're, they're in demand as sessions players here in Nashville uh, very regular yeah I, you can certainly say I think you know anybody who the pedal steel might look you know from a thousand feet like a relatively simple instrument until you sit down and try to make sounds that don't sound horrible on it and then you realize this is a extremely difficult instrument yeah it's, uh, it's kind of crazy you know with the bending things with your knees yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. One of the things I enjoyed is is a hack on guitar when you listen to the album is you guys have got a lot of really cool guitar nuggets in there too, you know, but they're not not overwhelming the song, but you can pick out little turnarounds and things that uh, uh, I think really appeal to the six string player in, in all of us. Um, when you when you approach, did you do most of the vocal writing? Or the lyrical, I should say, not vocal writing, but the lyrics themselves? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, the lion's share. I mean, uh, in most cases, it's uh, the finished re- result is uh, listed as a band co-write uh, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, there's so much more to it. That, like you just mentioned, the uh, the riffs and figures that Bob and Tony come up with on, on the guitars and... Uh, Stuff like that is is very much a part of songwriting in our mind and yeah. my mind. But yeah, I tend to be the the main instigator of the lyrics. Yeah, and and I enjoy the fact that you know when you listen to the lyrics, you know, you you're singing about burning your hand on the coffee pot, for example. I have to admit that lyric stuck out to me because it's just clever and and it's real, you know. You know, you're not trying to sing like a, an 18 year old kid about chasing young women, and you know. Um, oh, and I like, God, no. <laughs> and I like that about it. It feels authentic. It doesn't feel like you know you guys are trying to make an album that you would have made in your early 20s. Um, but it. Well, that 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 lyric is uh, in sometimes you just can't win, which was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham Parsons had that in one of his notebooks, and, and we took the, what he wrote and uh, applied what we felt was uh, closest we could could uh, emulate the classic 
era of the Rolling Stones because Graham Parsons and Keith Richard were such good friends and clearly uh, the Stones were an influence on Parsons and the Britos to an extent clearly Parsons was an influence on the Stones so uh, this lyric that actually also is Fred Neal it apparently uh, Tim was paraphrasing a Fred Neal song although he nowhere in his notebook wrote the name Fred Neal or a song title but he was jotting down words that were from a Fred Neal song and taking liberties and adding some of his own sentences so that song ends up being credited to Graham Parsons, Fred Neal and the Burrito Brothers so words are Parsons and Neal the music is the Burrito Brothers and I get a kick out of the one line to me uh, it has a double meaning right after the burning the fingers on the coffee pot mm-hmm. he's talking about you know sort of this day that starts all wrong you know and he says mm-hmm. the toast is cold but the orange juice is hot yeah and if you know beautiful. the yeah if you know the background of Graham Parsons that has a double meaning his that huge fortune the snively fortune the trust fund that he got money from uh was orange groves in Florida. So, uh-huh. yeah, that orange juice was hot. <laughs> yeah, I got you there. And, and it's good you because, you know, someone, you know, I'm in my 40s. That went right over my head and just thought it was kind of a funny, you know, little thing there about everything kind of being ass backward, frankly. Um, I think know. that's all it was. I think I'm the one to uh, add the double meaning in my mind, you know. And yeah. That, uh, once I thought of that, I couldn't quit. Uh, sort of adding that to the when you when you guys m- make this album do you kind of as you're building songs and instrumentation and, and parts and things like that do you do you con- consciously think you know what would you know you know some of the previous incarnations of the band potentially do in as far as building the sounds and in the way the songs are written or is this just kind of okay here's who we are today you know we are a group of musicians you know coming from a same well, similar headspace this is how these songs sound to us i i think it's not uh, uh all that much uh, uh consciously thinking about uh, uh being like previous versions except in just whole concept. There's this idea we have in our hearts of what Burrito Brothers music ought to sound like, right. and what it ought to be true to, which includes the the right sounds. Uh, Bender guitar, you know, Tony obviously right. playing the pedal steel, but being being interested in being inventive with with different sorts of sounds on it. Uh, and then uh, right down to, I'm sure Bob would be better to talk about his choice of amps and guitars and right. things. It's all the right ones that fit the the, the whole concept of, you know, if you're going to be the Burrito Brothers, then there's a certain sort of ethic, uh, aesthetic to stay true to. Yeah, exactly. I think you, you kind of nailed the... the point I was trying to make. You, you you don't necessarily want to come out and sound like an Allman Brothers record, for example. That might be kind of a... Right. You know, not that you know, that this is in any way, you know, that's a bad thing or this is that far from really the Allman Brothers, but 
I think you get my point. You know, God, you, it there's be a bad thing. No. Yeah. yeah, but when you listen to those early, um, you know, Flying Burrito Brothers records, you know, you you had a sense, you know, of what the band sounded like, and, and you know, you don't want to come out yeah. today and sound like ACDC, for example. Um, that might be a bit. Right. You know. And plus, I think we have the the luxury right now, with all these years that have passed, of of kind of feeling a, a sort of a full circle. Thing that's mm-hmm. uh, liberating. I feel that there were some points in time, like the '80s, when MTV was big and stuff like that, where there were temptations to uh, sort of go along with. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't. There don't seem to be any trends right now, other than uh, you know what I just said about how pop music sounds, and, and I, I also don't think we're quite like that uh, stuff that's on country radio nowadays a lot of people call it bro country or something yeah kind of that boogie and uh, i don't think we're that uh so i don't know if i would call that either of those things trans as much as just a different sort of genre or something yeah but you're uh, absolutely right in the 80s though if you had made an album like this in the 1980s it certainly wouldn't have fit you know the the popular yeah, trends of country music like, yeah, yeah, it would have yeah. probably got you shot on MTV um, <laughs> it, would, it would not have and again that's not to knock the music but you would have had to take the the, the lap or the you know the lap steel at him put in a couple moog synthesizers um, then yeah, perhaps you could have made clap some echo claps and some syndromes and some <laughs> yeah, I know. mean as a Child of the '80s, I'll freely admit that. I mean, take a song, song like uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Southern Cross, and I thought it stuck out like a sore thumb yeah. when you would see it in rotation on MTV. It's a fabulous song, but it really didn't, to me, fit. His brother uh, Rick. Yeah. So Michael and Rick Curtis wrote that song. They were in uh, Crazy Horse, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Curtis has played with uh, the Brito Brothers. He mm-hmm. uh, recently as Last November, he joined us for a performance at the National Tribute to Graham Parsons. Mm-hmm. And it's on our list. You can see that performance where we did the um, the burrito, uh, the Flying Burrito Brothers uh, sure. classic first. I think in in the 2000. Cool to do, but kind of ironic a little in that we had this new album, and yet there we were doing the old stuff. But, sure. but we were asked, and it was it was an honor. It was cool. But you look at you know the way music is in 2020. You can do these kinds of things probably more comfortably and fit into the genre of rock because the genre of rock is so wide now. Um, you know you're not relying on you know it's, it's unfortunate in a way that you you know you can't put an album out and expect to get airplay. But in some respects, I think it liberates people because you're not trying to write an album necessarily to get airplay. Um, you know, you're not making an album to create three hits to make, you know, twenty thousand dollar videos for MTV. You know, you can make. No, an we're making. Yeah, we're making an album to be a, a piece of uh, musical art. It's, it's right. a conceptual piece that ties together for a listening experience. Uh, it's uh, it has an opening introductory number. It has a clear finale. Mm-hmm. It's got the uh, long. 11 minutes sweet in the middle uh, it's all paced that way yeah. it's, uh, it's not one storyline it's not like Tommy by the Who but it's still conceptually a piece right 
and, and thankfully right. music you know can do can kind of go back to the way it was in the 60s and the early 70s where you could do these kind of things and like you said make the art for the sake of the art and not you know intentionally try to tailor what you're doing for commercial success um, you know and I think it makes yeah although it'd be nice to get some of that yeah. it's just not the all all consuming uh, uh, obsession uh, that you know that's not the main uh, uh, yeah. aesthetic reason you know that, yeah it would you know, be it, I, unfortunately I, I have to say that I think probably every artist you know, out there is thinking, boy, it would be nice to have commercial success with what we're doing today. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's such a tricky thing to have, you know, for, for a rock band, really, to have chart success. Um, you know, even the, the biggest bands on the planet, you know, the Stones released a fabulous album with the blues album they did a couple years ago, and it kind of a blip on the radar, you know. Um, yeah. It's, it's tough for everyone. Although, uh, 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 that's that line of thinking is, is part of why we uh, have uh, made our goal, our uh, focus, is in trying to, um, you know, get it out there around the world and other countries, sure. because there's much more ch- likelihood of some of the European countries or Australia or Japan, some of the other faraway places where they would regard it as an American art form and they'd have a, a, a warmer regard more, a little more respect for the level of musicianship from you know the United States a far away country we're kind of hoping to uh, get some focus on these other countries Our, in fact we did it from the get go uh, we traced the deal in England hmm. a guy named Bob Boiling got it for us which is crazy BB just like Burrito Brothers he is our representative in England a good friend and He's, no sooner were we done making the album, and he had a sign to uh, Brian Adams' company, SFM, and, and it's a worldwide record deal that uh, includes promotion, you know, like John Lappin setting this up and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably, I'm convinced it's the biggest moment, the biggest uh, album deal that this group, the Burrito Bros, has had in decades. Yeah. It's a sweet thing. Horrible pandemic uh, would have stalled everything. Yeah, this is something I don't think anyone could could certainly. Well, we can get into the debate of whether it could be predicted or not. I guess that's a whole different political debate yeah. there. But but um, yeah, I don't think anyone anticipated what it would do to the music industry. Uh, you know, I, I know yeah. from artists. There were several artists that we had reached out to talk to. You know. They'll, you know, they're going to be on the road. It's going to be a little tough. We'll see what we can do. And then we're getting emails. Hey, this person's available. This person's available. You know, tour canceled. Tour canceled. Um, so well, yeah, I look it, back. I'm glad. I'm glad we weren't out on the road because uh, I'm learning that uh, you know some of the people who got it uh, somehow it only finally hits a month later or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, um, it it's a result of them being out there among people. I remember when we first heard that it was, I mean, when it really started registering that it's going to be really bad, mm-hmm. um, I was offered a, a job that my wife just emphatically just kept saying, don't do it. You don't need that money that bad. Just, just, it's time to lay low. And I'm convinced she was right. 
because mm. it was just right before it really started rearing its ugly head. It's, it's unfortunate. I know um, one of our, uh, just a few episodes ago on our podcast, we had a band who kicked off their U.S. tour in Pittsburgh in mid-March. Actually, it was like the 6th, 7th of March, and a week later, you know, is when schools in, in our region stopped. So you think the amount of production, you know, prep work, you know, merchandising, all that that went in to put that tour into motion to grind to a halt within a week yeah, after starting. You know, that's... Oh I know there's you, you see a lot of, of, you know, tours that, you know, people keep thinking, why is, you know, why is... um so-and-so canceling their tour the show's not until august well you got to consider the amount of work and people and crew and you know riggers and merchandise people and sound engineers and lighting engineers that go into some of these tours that right. it doesn't make sense and to get that in motion that it's going to be yeah because there's no way of, of predicting that it that all, everything will be cool in august that's kind of a long shot that's a, yeah yeah, and, and the unfortunate thing I know, at least in our market in Pittsburgh, this was shaping up to be one of the most amazing summers as far as just the the breadth of artists that you know don't normally tour that were going to be coming through the city, uh, and, and to watch it all come crashing down uh, so fast is, is just truly heartbreaking. Yeah, I remember I remember starting. Yeah, I remember starting this year thinking, oh man, how cool, a new decade, a new era, uh, you know, and, and people think that way, you know, we refer mm. back to the 70s, the 60s, whatever, each decade is kind of seen as its own period, its own little era, and uh, and I, you know, I was so excited that we have this great album deal and our best album we've made in my time with the group, and I'm so proud of it, and here we go, what a great new era, and then, oh boy, it's yeah, going to be weeks. this by the COVID-19 more than uh, than uh, everybody's out making yeah. great music. Wow. 11 weeks but into a, a new decade, yeah. They can, but uh, but I hope, you know, I mean, it's, it's people love music. Our, our album is a nice breath of fresh air, something creative and interesting and brand new that... Uh, that you can enjoy, uh, you know, you don't have to go anywhere to enjoy somebody's new album, and there might not be enough of them out there, so hopefully yeah. there's a little tiny ray of sunshine, a little silver lining in this dark, dark cloud. Yeah, and I think the, the type of music I know in, in my opportunities to listen to the album, it, it's, it does, you mentioned about, you know, with the European deal, how, you know, they crave American music. You do fits so nicely into that you know kind of thing that it's it's a very comfortable music to listen to you know as, as I kind of said at the top it, it feels like you guys could be playing right here in the room with me um, and I, and I really really enjoy like that, that about that well I, I would ask yeah. you about touring um, obviously that's almost an irrelevant question at this point because who knows anything at this point but, but I will say this Chris I hope you know once this passes all of us, you know, that uh, you guys are able to get on the road, whether in Europe and in, in the good Lord willing in the United States to see you guys do some shows would be fantastic. I think, you know, we've got uh, certainly a legacy uh, behind you guys and, and um, you know, a fantastic record. And it would be, you know, this is one where, you know, you could do any song on that album. I think it would 
would go off great. Yeah, thank you for saying that because that's that's my feeling, you know, and uh, it's it's better for you to say it than for me to sound <laughs> like I'm bragging. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I, again, the the Burrito Brothers, the Notorious Burrito Brothers. The album is available worldwide now, or is there a release date still forthcoming? Yes, it's it's it's. I tend to suggest Amazon if you want to copy, you know, actually a physical mm-hmm. uh, CD with the cover and everything. Uh, but then it's also available in the usual download places. Uh, and I like to um, point anyone who's interested at our point them to our website. Uh, theburritobrothers.net and on there interesting to check out at the timeline there's uh, it starts in 1967 and there's an entry for each year all 52, 53 years of who came and went who was in the band it's it's just an amazing uh, uh, array of uh, ever changing lineups that's like uh, other groups there's just this continual turnover that's happened in the history of the Burritos, but there's a bright side to that, and we're doing it right now, and that is some new incarnation feels a need to really assert and, and yeah. hunger and show that uh, they're living up to it all and, and being ultra-creative as opposed to you know some group that's been around forever with one of the original guys and they don't make new albums. They just tour in the oldies circuit and stuff like that. This is certainly not that. Right. It's a it's a different animal, and uh, it's had it's had no two albums in a row that had the exact same personnel. There's always somebody left, and like Graham Parsons, who's seen as the top dog, the main uh, inspiration of the whole group, the founder, along with Chris Hillman. He Parsons was only on the first two albums. Rick Roberts was leading a version of the group that had none of the original guys. So it's different from uh, the way most groups uh, have their uh, band members, you know, recognized. Right. But actually, uh, this time around feels a little more stable than usual. I mean, we really, really locked in together, and and it's uh, almost this same group as the previous album there's a drummer change but uh, uh, who knows maybe our next album will, will still be these exactly. yeah well <laughs> we look forward to hearing more music from you because I think you know when you make an album with a lineup it sort of is you know it captures that moment in time uh, and you know the collective energy between between you guys which came through on this so Chris, I want to thank you again. Uh, Folks can check out your website. Uh, We'll have links on our show notes, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, John. I appreciate it very much. It's been a pleasure for me, too. All right, a big thank you to Chris James of the Burrito Brothers. You can check out their website. It is theburritobrothers.net. I also invite you to check out Todd Zuckerman's uh, website as well. The uh, Burrito Brothers' new album, Notorious Burrito Brothers, is out. It's available at their website. You can get it on the usual sites. Todd Zuckerman's uh, album is also available now. Um, The Burrito Brothers came out in March. Todd's just came out earlier in the month of May. Uh, Unfortunately for both of them, they're kind of sidelined, not able to tour, as I'm sure 
well let's be honest every band out there is unable to tour right now so very unique times uh, certainly a first uh, for Iron City Rocks I know we've you know in western Pennsylvania we're used to having some slow times of the year um, this is certainly not the slow time of the year and it's a very unfortunate as I think anybody who really in, in any major city was looking at 2020 with just wide-eyed amazement of the amount of bands out on the road you had uh, really no matter what kind of music you were into if you were into you know classic rock you had Roger Waters you had the Rolling Stones if you were into heavy metal you had Lamb of God and Megadeth uh, Ozzy Osbourne with uh, Marilyn Manson um, just really no shortage of amazing tours for 2020 um, I know many of them have postponed indefinitely or postponed to dates later on in the year or into 2021. Uh, we will do our absolute best to keep you abreast of all of the changes in the dates for the shows in Western Pennsylvania. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. We are a forward slash Iron City Rocks for all of those. We will do our very best to keep you posted on that and in new shows as they're announced. Uh, it's going to be an interesting time. We will continue to provide you with the best content we can um, and we, we urge you if you're a musician if you've got live streams you're going to be doing let us know what we'll get out to our audience because I think people are starving to see musicians play so if we can't do it in a in a club or arena or a stadium you know zoom skype is uh, Facebook live whatever you need to do uh, to get an audience is a great way to do it so Keep hanging in there, and we wish you guys all the best. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.